0: Hello, and welcome to the Shock Horror Podcast.
1: It's been four years. Since Michael Myers vanished without a trace. Hello. killed my daughter, but tonight,
0: I will kill him. Come and get me. Laurie! Maybe the only way he can die is if I die too. It all ends now. Welcome to this very special episode of the Shock Horror Podcast. I'm joined by my buddy and partner in crime, Alvin. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, my dude. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you very much for being here. And we are, of course, giving our review of the latest installment of the horror franchise, Halloween. Halloween which was released this week and I'm sure that we have a lot to talk about Alvin how are you feeling Feeling great about- talking about Halloween ends
1: I'm excited I've, I've been uh, I've been waiting to do this since I watched it so I was like I got I got a lot to say
0: <laughs> Fantastic Well I'm very excited too so it was a year ago this month that we were on here talking about Halloween kills it's been a hell of a year just very initially, just re- remind me what was your opinion and thoughts on Halloween Kills. So I didn't get a chance to re-listen to our
1: podcast from last year, but so I guess we either have, I'll either be sharing the same opinion I had, or, or maybe I've had a year to process things. But I like twenty eight. I like <laughs> twenty. I remember I liked twenty eighteen more than I liked Kills. Uh, but I thought Kills was a lot of bloody fun. Like it was, there was a lot of mayhem going on and I liked it as far as that goes. Uh, But I did like 2018 better as a film.
0: So. Sure. And I think one of our opinions about Halloween Kills was that the introduction of characters with kind of, you know, no respect for their outcome. For example, Tommy, you know, introducing that sort of um, character into it and then having him dispatched quite unceremoniously at the end of the movie it kind of defeated the object i think that was a bit of a consensus right. we don't really have, we don't really have that issue here i don't think with halloween ends but we will definitely be going into that so i actually yeah. did a rewatch of halloween kills before i watched ends and i actually think halloween kills is a lot of fun uh
1: I don't I don't even have to rewatch it to know that that's how I feel about it after watching
0: Halloween Ends. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well I'm really excited. Shall we delve right in deep? So um the first thing we get in this movie is an introduction to a brand new character. And I was just thinking the cold opening of this film was quite impressive. I really, really enjoyed that cold opening. What was your initial thoughts when the film started and we weren't seeing Laurie or Alison or Michael? Uh, The beginning of this movie is my favorite part of the entire movie. So uh, we would be in agreement on the beginning of the movie for sure. Sure. what did you Um, think about that cold opening? What did you like? Did you like the way that um, the character of Corey was introduced?
1: i did i did like the way cory was introduced it was uh it was quite unexpected the way the events played out in that scene it was definitely not typical of the halloween movies and that's kind of what i liked about it and it was brutal still in its own way and uh it was quite the introduction for the character of cory so
0: rowan campbell when, when he's introduced at, at that part you kind of think that it's a bit of a genre flip on the you know the babysitter being in the house and then we were going to have maybe Michael come in and kill him you know and that didn't happen which I think took everybody I was in the screen that I was watching by surprise because we sort of thought we knew what was going to be happening um Was that a similar thing that you thought? Did you think, oh, here we go, run-of-the-mill Halloween, we've got a character here that, and you know, babysitting a child, and this is going to be an opening where Michael comes in. Do you think that the introduction of Corey in that opening scene put the audience on the back foot to begin with? Oh, yeah, they knew what they were doing. That was intentional, for sure. Absolutely. And then, of course when we get the title of the film come up it is in that electric blue which was last used in the halloween franchise <laughs> in halloween 3 season of the witch yeah i caught that too that was, that was that was clever what do you think their intention behind that was
1: i don't know like you know with the first one they they definitely were trying to capture the first movie the second one they There was a lot of hospital stuff in the second real, uh, the original second one, and they had you know an extended hospital scene in the second one. They were just trying to capture you know chronologically what was going on. They were trying to show you some stuff, little nods and winks, I think.
0: But okay, let's go into this argument now. If they are trying to like make nods to the original trilogy, so you've got Halloween two and Halloween: Season of the Witch. Was there any point, really, of diverging the timelines if they're just going to keep referring back to those movies?
1: You mean, is it like, are they
0: trying to make three canon now? Well, they're trying to kind of sort of bring in elements of Halloween 2 and Season of the Witch into these films. For example, my impression that they use the electric blue of the Halloween 3 Season of the Witch film was because they were showing us that this film is not going to go in the direction that you think, and that we're not going to get as much Michael as you're expecting, hence I mean, in Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, we don't get any Michael, well we actually do get a little bit of him on the TV screen because they are watching the movie Halloween in Halloween 3, which is so meta it hurts my head, but (laughs) um yeah, I just think that it's okay to make these nods for the fans, but that that to me was a bit of a direct sort of approach to do that. And I actually was quite jarred by it because I didn't really think about it before um, I came home and read some reviews and then saw online that that lettering was from Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. I didn't really think about it at the time. but. It was really jarring for me when i saw it on the screen it was kind of uh very out of place what did you think yeah it definitely stood out um i happened i also uh didn't see
1: it like initially until i was it was point it wasn't wasn't something like when i watched it i immediately noticed it was pointed out then i was like oh yeah i put it together obviously at that point but yeah it was definitely there to catch you off guard and maybe it was a like um alluding to the fact that this isn't going to be what you expected. That was probably intentional. They were trying to show us
0: to prepare for something different because we're going to get it and we got it and we got it. Just so you know, guys, if you are listening to in on the podcast, this is going to be a little bit of a spoiler um adventure today. So if you haven't seen the movie already or you don't care, <laughs> then please carry on listening. But if you are, you know, maybe going in the week to watch it, maybe put your fingers in your ears. But, um, yes, so we've had Halloween. We've had Halloween kills. We've got Halloween ends. And we're introduced to the character of Corey Cunningham, who goes through an horrific experience of accidentally murdering the child that he's meant to be babysitting, which I think is actually everybody's nightmare, right? You know, if you're looking after a child and then the worst thing happens to them, that is probably one of the worst things that can happen to you in life. Am I right? Yeah, I don't think you'll be invited back. No. And he definitely wasn't. (laughs) So we have this kind of very wounded Corey. um, It. You know, it goes one year on after he accidentally murders this boy. And then we see him in a very depressive state. In the opening scene, we hear him talking to the parents of the child that he accidentally kills about going to college and about his future. And then when we see him again, he doesn't sort of doesn't have a future. He's very, you know, downtrodden, working for his dad's business. He looks very unkept. Yep. So, obviously, there were rumours to begin with that maybe we were getting a copycat killer. And that was the reason that Michael came out of hiding. They didn't go in that direction. They did. They introduced this Corey character who was wounded. And did you think that they were trying to bring in a character that would have a sympathetic edge, but also... Say something about cancel culture. What do you? I don't think know if they were that? talking about like the
1: the specifics of cancel culture by definition, but they were definitely trying to give us commentary on how we judge people and their mistakes, for sure. As like how uh, when we don't know, you know, no, obviously nobody else in that town was there the night that that happened, but they're all gonna. You know, the mom obviously is grief stricken and definitely slants towards hate on the character, which I can't fault her for because if it was my child, it would be hard not to do that as well. But for the rest of the town to kind of go down the same opinion about him, like, I mean, I guess it's, I don't know if it's cancel culture, but it's judgment culture for
0: sure. No, I agree. And if they're trying to show parallels with this boy and Michael, I mean, Michael didn't accidentally kill his sister. He definitely walked in that room with a knife with the intention of killing her. So there is not really much of a parallel with Michael in his story. But do you think that there could be an element of that, you know, where Michael was demonised and therefore, you know, there was no redemption for Michael. People saw him as an evil force and therefore he just sort of lived up to his reputation. Do you think that the way that Michael was treated after what he did, um, molded and affected his, you know, lust for blood, I suppose. Might've enhanced it a bit,
1: but I mean, I feel, I feel like you're right about them not having a lot of parallels. He, he was he absolutely intended on stabbing her in the boob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and killing her. Yes. There was there was a lot of intent there, whereas with Corey he uh he definitely didn't mean to do it, so I uh he became evil based on his surroundings and how he was treated. I think Michael was born evil the way I see it. You know, like he was he was definitely Still, evil by nature at such a young age. It's kind of hard to argue with that the evil was there. Now, how, how, we know nothing about, like, why he was evil. I mean, we don't know any circumstances surrounding him before the stabbing, but, uh, yeah, I don't no, know. And I think
0: there's, do you think there's parallels here of nature and nurture? They you were know, definitely with... trying to show us
1: two, yeah, yes. They were definitely trying to show us two different ways of, two different evils.
0: No, definitely. You've got Michael, who is, seems to have been born with this inherent, you know, evil and intent of killing. And then you've got Corey. Um, when I say nurture, I mean, I mean, his parents are pretty awful. Well, no, Terrible. his mum is pretty <laughs> awful. Terrible. His dad is Terrible. sort of just this, you know, guy who sits around and, you know, owns his business and doesn't really stand up to his wife when he's when she's treating Corey like a piece of shit, but yes, you know there is that sort of nurture thing as well of, you know it take what do they say? It takes a village to raise a child and the village that's... turned on him. Yes, yes it did <laughs> Yeah, so you've yep. got this boy who has been sort of ostracised is being bullied like constantly by the people of Hattonfield and you know snap yeah everybody in hattonfield's an asshole (laughs) yeah everybody is like an asshole well this is the thing on my list here of things that i wanted to talk about with you i've got a list of characters and i've actually got hattonfield on here as a character because for me Hattonfield has always been a very strong character in the film. You know, the environment, you know, the very first film, you know, when you're in Hattonfield, you feel like you know that place really well. But this is the first time, I think, that I didn't really know the place well. Because there's that sort of montage of the consequences of Halloween kills, where people in Hattonfield are depressed. People are killing themselves. You know, what was your take on what had happened to Hattonfield after Halloween ends? After Halloween kill, sorry. Yeah, they were definitely in a state of panic, and
1: apparently they didn't decide to keep looking for Michael. No one did. (laughs) But there, no. I mean, he was literally
0: in the, he was literally in the drain, like Pennywise.
1: Yeah. Yes, and all the homeless people knew he
0: was there. (laughs) <laughs> didn't yeah. alert anyone there obviously wasn't a reward <laughs> for his uh there was no
1: reward on. yeah they want they wanted no piece of michael myers which i get <laughs> i've seen the movies sure. i don't know how that ends uh no they were definitely so, in a scared state and a depressed state their their mentals were not strong for sure as we saw in halloween ends
0: so i'm gonna throw this out there for you and if anyone's listening please do uh comments or you can tweet me about this because this is a very controversial take I feel do you think that the people of Hattonfield need the boogeyman because Michael Myers disappears and they are very quick to jump on Corey Cunningham to be a bad person a villain you know and the evil in their midst. do you think that Hattonfield has got to a point where people can't actually survive or can't see their town without evil, without a Michael, without a Corey. Uh, That's a good question. I I would say that that's
1: apparent based on how they conducted themselves in the movie. They definitely needed a villain, someone to point their finger at to make themselves feel better,
0: etc., I mean, there were even quotes, especially from, you know, directed towards Laurie that, you know, your boogeyman's gone, but there are, you know, the evil is not, has not left Hattenfield or, you know, the evil's gone, but, you know, evil always comes back. And I just feel like the people of Hattenfield couldn't really live with the fact that their town was going to be okay was you know what this evil was gone and you know that people could move on i just don't feel like they could move on
1: yeah i don't understand um the need to find other i mean they hadn't even they had no closure on their other villain because he was still there and everyone knew he was still alive so it wasn't like he went away and they found a new villain like they just added they just needed another one i guess or another ones, because I mean, they,
0: really, they
1: acted very poorly towards Laurie Strode as well, obviously.
0: So they blame her. They blame her for sure. And we're going to get Absolutely. into that when we talk about Laurie. But um, so Corey Cunningham played really well, I think, by Rowan Campbell. I think he really established the role from the first moment he was on screen. Um, was a new character that was created by David Dordan and Green Gordon Green, sorry. And he was based on um, Arnie Cunningham from Christine, which was obviously a Stephen King novel about no, a killer uh, car, yeah. but directed by John Carpenter, the, a link there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, yeah, that's cool. Are, yeah, I mean, that's a really good one. And when we're, we're introduced to Corey in Halloween Ends, he is uh, shown to have quite a similar haircut and and identical uh, blue button-up shirt and dark glasses that Arnie has in Christine, so it's definitely a throwback to Christine. And I think that you know there are two there are parallels with the character of Arnie in Christine because he doesn't start off a bad person until Christine comes into his life, and then he becomes corrupted by it. So there is very much a parallel. With Halloween Ends and Christine, you could almost say they're exactly the same story. <laughs> yeah, no.
1: Christine is a, uh, a book, uh, one of the Stephen King books that I haven't read, and I actually haven't seen the the John Carpenter movie, so I can't. So I'm gonna have to let you. Oh yes. Speak You've on that one. Yeah, it's one of the,
0: yep. Yep. So the story I'll is read basically it at this. some point too. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, the boy finds a car, the car seems to be possessed by some kind of evil, and the evil cor- corrupts the boy, and he ends up becoming a bit of a of a killer. Okay,
1: so yeah, I, I knew the premise, but yeah, so he's the main character in Christine. Arnie is.
0: That's correct. That's what you're saying. Okay, yep, yep. Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: That's, that's cool so that's nod great. that they did that. Yeah, very cool nod. There's a lot of nods to John Carpenter through this film, especially, you know, um... At the beginning of the film with Corey, and I think the boy is Jeremy. The boy he's babysitting, and they're watching the thing. Oh, yeah, which is that's obviously one of my a clear reference to um, to the original film where they're watching the original thing. So, in the nineteen seventy eight yeah. version of Halloween, they're watching the original, and then correct in this movie they're watching John Carpenter's remake. So it's all very right. meta and and weird.
1: I can speak on the thing. I am
0: a fan. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm actually going to watch the thing at the cinema in the movie theater on Halloween night. Oh, that's that's always a fun time. So they do that we have an
1: Alamo Draft House here in Omaha, Nebraska, and they play the thing every year. I I probably see the
0: thing every year at the Alamo at some point. Amazing. I I love seeing all of these classic horror films on the big screen. It's a really good opportunity. So um, we have uh, Corey Cunningham, who one year later is very wounded by his experiences. He's bullied, like I said. And then he meets Alison, who's working in Hattonfield Memorial Hospital, which, like you said, is a big part of, each story strand of halloween because it's heavily featured in halloween 2 the original um so we introduced alison and their kind of relationship blooms uh, it's so quick and i honestly do believe that they are there is a lot of missing material that was filmed that they had to sort of leave on the cutting room floor what did you think about Corey's relationship with alison
1: um I was not a fan <laughs> of that part yeah. of the movie. I uh no it was it was really quick and it was um it was kind of it was it was super sudden. I felt like it was forced. And uh I really liked the character of Corey separate just as a whole. He did like you said the the actor did a great job, but um introducing a romance in the final installment of Laurie Strode's story was not something I thought was necessary, nor did I enjoy it.
0: I suppose it was a way of bringing him into Laurie's world. Yes. But I do think, I mean, I'm sitting here today. I went went into central London today. I went to one of my favourite shops, bookshops, and I picked up the novelisation of Halloween Ends. And I've been just like slowly flicking through it. And there seems to be a lot of material here feet with Corey and Alison. So I'm assuming that we are, you know, going to have um, in maybe a Blu-ray release or a director's cut or extended edition, we're going to have a lot more scenes that sort of build up and add on to that blooming relationship because I just feel, feel like we got the bare bones of it. Do you agree?
1: Uh yeah, I would agree with that. I, I really wish Corey Cunningham would have been introduced into the series earlier than the third one. That would've been that would have been a little bit more natural. Uh, I feel like he was kind of I feel like they thought about this I this idea was added. I feel like. Late in the game. Yeah, they could have added him in could, Halloween kills, no problem.
0: He could have been that that's why I believe I he know. was
1: added in later, you know.
0: Yeah, he could have been you know, maybe Tommy's, something to do with um, with Tommy, he could have been, you know, maybe a relation of Lindsay, do you know what I mean? There's like little ways that they could have brought him in. Yeah, him. they had a lot
1: of, they showed you a lot of the town characters, he could have easily been
0: introduced, introduced at some point into that, into, into that film, I thought. No, 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 I totally agree. So, Corey's story obviously brings him face to face with Michael Myers. So we're gonna go into this this rabbit hole very early on in this discussion, because I feel like that this is the part of the film that people really are struggling with. The relationship between Corey and Michael and that the fact that Corey goes on to kind of be the main killer of the film has really rubbed people up the wrong way. So, what do you think happened in those tunnels between Michael and Corey? What did you think had happened between them? That bit where Michael grabs Corey when he's, um, you know, in the underground tunnel and there's an exchange between them and you you see all of Corey's memories. What do you think happened there?
1: Initially, if I'm being honest, I just felt like Michael uh, saw that Saw it saw into Corey that he he saw something in him that was in himself. I feel like it was Michael relate Like he could just see that Corey was wounded. Why? I don't know. I'm not saying it was a good idea for them to do this. I'm just saying that's what I got out of it when I was watching it. It was like Michael knew that he was holding somebody that was about to become evil or could be could be persuaded to evil. And that's why he let him go because that's really not in his nature to let people – go
0: so no and that really confused me because michael has never let anyone go and he obviously thought that this boy was going to bring him victims and we'll get onto that in a minute but there is also evidence laurie says that she saw michael in corey's eyes so do you think there is something you you think it's non-supernatural Hey, maybe they are going for
1: supernatural, which you know, the, there's supernatural there because Michael Myers has survived so many crazy scenarios that there's got to be some sort of supernatural there. Maybe, maybe yeah, maybe somehow he passed the torch with that grab. It just
0: yeah. Maybe their
1: I... idea, maybe their idea was to have Corey be the killer and continue on into another series of movies but I th- then they were like uh, oh, I think people are going to see this coming so we can't do this because you know this was this is obviously a setup and then they got scared to go that route and tried something totally different is maybe how they did it
0: sure and if you're thinking back to the connection maybe with Christine I mean the car is a supernatural force you know it's a car that's possessed by evil so that if, if they were running with that parallel it kind of does sum up that they were using the supernatural in this film i when i was watching it i did think okay so michael has transferred something into Corey or has corrupted Corey somehow what is the analogy that they're going for here you know is it evil um evil can take advantage of you know people that are damaged or you know people that are damaged and not nurtured, you know, if you, you know, leave them unchecked or if you allow them to go into the dark themselves, they will eventually find evil and become what Corey ultimately become. Maybe I'm just delving too deep into this, but I do think there, I personally believe there was something supernatural going on, but I don't think it was, you know, ghosts and monsters. I think it was more of a spiritual thing.
1: Yeah, I can get on board with that. I uh I, I mean it was clear the way they showed his flashbacks that they were going for something of that nature. I'm just not I'm not sure which like because they didn't you know, they didn't spoon feed us it. They kinda left it up to interpretation, which is always good. But Yeah, uh, always good.
0: Yep. Then we have Corey Slowly corrupted, I mean that was one part of the character that I did enjoy you know he didn't lose his humanity for quite a long time. you know he was going and seeing Michael and he bought michael you know um the the police officer who had who was dating Allison you know uh-huh. i mean I'm not being funny, but that police officer kind of did bring it on himself to you know to get involved in that situation but um Yeah, and then in that scene where Michael kills for the first time obviously in four years, that was a really powerful scene because you saw Michael really change. What do you what did you think was going on in that scene? Um, I don't honestly I don't know because I still can't understand why Michael Myers was in this
1: tunnel for four years. Um I mean so like yeah, was that that was the kill that gave him the energy to go back out? I was under the impression that he had been killing homeless people in there too. Cause I felt like that homeless guy said he drags people in and kills them. Like, I felt like he said something along those lines uh, well, before he said that he's Michael Myers himself. Cause the homeless guy said that too and
0: said, go fetch me my mask. And I uh, did think that um, there was a lot of missing posters in this film. Did you notice there was quite a lot of, you know, in the background, there was a big billboard. You know, a lot of people in Hattonfield have gone missing. Now, you could think right. of that either two ways, I think. You can think that they were the people that Michael dragged into the pit. Or, you know, people were going away, running away from Hattonfield. Or, you know, committing suicide.
1: Probably also a nod to Stephen King as well. Because in a lot of his work, there's missing people in the town that... Uh, things oh, are going down. May, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be. This that could have been that as well. Yeah, definitely. It definitely did. And I just, I, I, I do feel like the cop kill gave him the energy to go back out. I just don't understand why. I just don't understand why, because the, uh, the cop was quite the creeper. Did you get a feeling that those that her, him, and Allison were together at one point? Because it was like, or like they at least went on one date. The way, he, the way he talked to her, they at least went on one date. Well, the police officer, the her,
0: police officer okay. and Allison. Yes. I got the feeling that he dated Allison when she was at her lowest ebb. Do you know what I mean? When she sure. was the yep. lowest of, yeah. after yep. her mum's death, her dad's death. Yes. You know, when she was the lowest of the low, I just felt like that that police officer may have taken a little bit of advantage.
1: Yeah, I feel like they... Ho- Hooked up at least once the way the way he was talking to her or what like but he was definitely a creeper like the way
0: <laughs> like you oh said yeah he kind of I for did a little bit yeah yeah he was uh, I don't think Allison uh, was yeah. with him you know I think she probably realized her mistake quite quickly
1: yes I wish she would have uh, maybe uh, it would have been great if she would have realized her mistake with Corey quite quickly too but it did, <laughs> that was not the way it went down.
0: No. She's got a terrible choice yeah, of not... men, that poor girl. <laughs> yeah, she's Yeah. Poor she's girl. Uh,
1: she's not she's not batting
0: a thousand I on no. so. We're calling him the police officer, but his name was Officer Mullaney and played okay. by Jesse C. Boyd. So uh sorry mate, we couldn't even remember your name. You were just Michael Fodder. Apologies. <laughs> <laughs> so... so let's yes. we've we've talked about Corey. Um he ultimately does go on to don the Michael Myers mask and goes on to kill quite a few people, including a yep. doctor, a nurse, and a radio DJ.
1: Yes, so it was also quite rude to Laurie Strode, wasn't he? Was exactly, it, it, it does oh, yeah. seem to be that I he
0: know. is. I did feel like that he was killing for revenge rather than the pleasure of it like Michael does or to get to get that energy. I do feel like that he was just on a spree to to kill those people that had offended him or people that he cared about. Correct. Which, you know, it, it's the first time really that anyone has murdered in these films for revenge. Am I right? Even though Halloween 5 is called The Revenge of Michael Myers, I do feel <laughs> like this is... This is the first time that a character in the Halloween movies has, or a, Mike, a Michael-esque character has killed for revenge. It's always been more, he's been more like a shark. Yeah. No, I definitely. Although I say definitely a shark, there was Jaws the Revenge, but we won't talk about that on this podcast, yeah, I don't we'll think, pass. ever. Ever. <laughs> yep, that'd be, that'd yeah. be best for everybody. So let's just talk about Alison very quickly because I don't feel like there was much character development with Alison although we did get some great moments with her with Laurie about you know discussing the fallout of her parents murders and the fact that she was sort of stuck in this town in Hattonfield. she couldn't escape and you know every little bit of happiness that she tried to find someone took it away from her and with her relationship with Corey, if she felt like that, Laurie was doing that. Do you, I mean? I I feel a little bit disappointed what they did with the Allison character. How do you feel? Yeah, I'm. Yeah,
1: her character definitely could have had more screen time with the growth part or the transition from her mom dying to that to the moment they were at. There was definitely some stuff left out there. Um, I also am perplexed as to why they would have stayed in Hattonfield after the events of Kills. Uh, because especially with the town descending into madness and Lori Strode wanting to protect her and, you know, try to raise her as normal as possible is what she was trying to do. Like, because even her character growth was kind of questionable in the movie because she went from super paranoid, uh, you know, 100 gun toting Laurie Schrode uh, putting up Halloween decorations and trying to make life yeah, as normal she, kind as she of, could for she kind her of granddaughter.
0: Did, um, she kind of did a reverse um, uh, what's her name? Connor, didn't she? From the Terminator movies.
1: Yeah. Yes, Sarah Connor. She did yes, a yes, reverse did. Sarah yeah.
0: Connor. She went from... Yeah. Terminator 2 Sarah Connor to, to Terminator 1 Sarah Connor. <laughs> Correct. She did. And I was like, well, if you're trying to make things normal
1: for her, like, I mean, taking her out of this crazy town, which we, they couldn't do because they obviously had to have it, the third one take place. In the, I'm thinking too heavily into this now, I guess. but <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah they, I mean, dramatic they license. They had to still be in Hattonfield, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So though I would, I would,
1: it was somewhat disappointing with, uh, both Allison and Laurie Strode from the second one to the third one, in
0: my opinion. What I will say is I do feel that between Corey and, um, Alison, there was a little bit, you know, hints of a, of coercive control. I think that could have been, uh, an element because you could tell that Allison was very torn about what to do and that she did like Corey. Um, yeah, I just feel that we are going to get an extended edition of this film released, or even in the book, that's going to have so much more with Corey and Allison, and it's going to have Allison doing and feeling and becoming more of the story. I just feel like she ended up on the cutting room floor. What do you think?
1: Yeah, she very may well have done that. Um, They might have had her descend possibly into the burn it all down more than she she did. Like, it looked like she was thinking about it there towards the end of the film. Like she was wanting to be part of the burn it down deal. But she definitely came back really quick, you know. I mean, burn uh, it all down. Burn it all down. Yep, that was what they were talking about. And then she came back real quick. Maybe what was left on the cutting room floor was her thinking, like, delving into it a little bit more. Not killing people with him, obviously. Uh, but maybe, no. you know, some sort of some some bad choices were probably left on the cutting room floor. I agree with that.
0: No, I agree. And I love the whole burn it down sort of scenario because it does link back to Halloween 2018, you know, where that's the choice that Laurie made, you know, trapping Michael in the house and burning it down. You know, it's kind of Laurie is trapped in Hattonfield and it's what Alison wants to do. She just wants to burn it down and go. But it's interesting how um, how light Alison is in this film. And I don't think that that was probably intentional. I do think that that was a lot of cutting, unfortunately. So as time goes on, we still have two characters to talk about and we'll gloss over um, Alison and Corey for the moment, but let's go with the main lady herself, Laurie Strode played of course by Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> I just want to make an observation. The first time we meet her, uh, she is writing her memoirs, and the title of her memoirs is "Stalkers, Survivors, and and Saw When," S W S A W hyphen W E N. And Saw When is actually a Celtic festival, which eventually became the Halloween holiday that we know today. So is it is it, I mean, isn't that um, mentioned in Halloween 2, the original, um, Sam Hain, isn't it? I think it's in the original Halloween 2, but this Saw When thing, um, but it's it's also referenced to in other Halloween movies as well. So in Halloween 2, Dr. Loomis finds that Michael has written it on the blackboard. That was Sam Hain, so it's obviously pronounced Sam Hayne. But there is, uh, but it translates into the word meaning Lord of the Dead. Uh, And in Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, uh, Connell Cochran, who is the bad guy, uh, he is a Celtic witch who plans a mass sacrifice of the children on Halloween night. And the holidays central plot of Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, is all based around Samhain or the Sorwen Festival. So. the title of her memoirs kind of does link these films together, which I thought was a really cool little little nod. I didn't even notice that nod. You're blowing yep. my mind over so, here, Keith. I know, right? All of these little things that were referenced <laughs> um, all in previous Halloween movies have come back literally in just the title of Laurie's memoirs. Very, very neat, very clever. You wouldn't have noticed it if uh, you weren't looking. And I wasn't looking. I've just done some research on the internet. But I will know that for next time. So. Laurie Stroh's character. She is not. What we have seen in the last two movies. Someone who like you mentioned before. is Paranoid. You know combative. Uh, She is. You know out to get Michael. And. The thing that I found very confusing. And I do think that this halloween ends suffered from the the rise of the skywalker curse where we had so much set up in halloween kills you know the whole thing of michael is not after laurie you know it was um you know laurie is not important to michael you know michael doesn't care about her and all this kind of thing that was sort of all left by the wayside when it came to laurie's character in halloween ends do you feel like there was a lot of Intention in Halloween Kills that they just didn't end up doing with Laurie in Halloween Ends. I, I think, I personally think that
1: they thought Halloween Kills was their finale, but the movies were making so much money that they needed to make a Halloween Ends because there had been a lot of money left on the table. So they had their awesome finale planned for in or for Kills, and then they instead of using it they is that the last 20 minutes ends was definitely in my opinion what they wanted to do at the at the end of kills but they ended up attaching this movie and then using the ending of that they wanted for two on three i'm saying a lot of weird things here i apologize
0: question. You know. it, i'm not I answering mean, your being... question
1: question was what again i'm sorry forgive me. So
0: the question is do you think with Laurie Strode particularly they had a lot of things set up in Kills for her character that they ended up not using in ends? I mean, I watched the extended edition of Halloween Kills and at the end of the film um, she, um, her daughter is on the phone uh, no, no, no so her daughter is murdered and then Laurie phones her, mo- her cell phone and there's no answer obviously because she's been killed and then someone answers her phone and you can hear michael breathing at the end of the film at the end of the phone and she allory is holding the phone and she just says um basically i'm coming i'm coming to get you michael and then she hangs up the phone and walks away and that's how the extended edition ends i mean she didn't she didn't yeah she did not actively together. look
1: for him nobody did
0: nobody did the police didn't what, what was what was the intention for Halloween ends then was it a full out blown you know from the moment it started to the moment it ended a hunt you know cat and mouse game with Laurie and Michael and you know bloody murder along the way was that the intention I mean her character does seem to be very subdued in this installment which is strange seeing it's meant to be the last one yeah it definitely
1: will i definitely believe that their intentions were to have a more traditional halloween movie as their finale i do not know what caused them to change up their formula that and their pace because you know the first two moved at a, an incredibly fast pace they all took place on the same night and originally I have read that this third one was supposed to take place as well, and then COVID messed it up. But I still don't understand in my head why COVID really could have had to mess with that because we could have still had this movies take place. And the, Do you remember hearing that like they were going to talk about COVID during this movie too? Do you remember hearing them saying that they were going to yes. insert – but they never – you know, they didn't do that either. And they were going to insert – like uh, like I remember them saying that they were going to put politics – into the third one, but they didn't do that
0: either. Like, I feel like they
1: had a lot of ideas that they just decided to abandon.
0: <laughs> and I think, uh, they, I think they, um, they went in an opposite direction with that after Halloween Kills got so much criticism for, um, in hindsight, being used as a Black Lives Matter uh, Me Too movement kind of analogy. Um, a lot of people were throwing those you know, organizations around and those causes around at the time when the film was already filmed and in the can by the time that the Black Lives Matter, um, I mean, don't, you know, Black Lives Matter movement has been around forever, but it really came to a head kind of 2020, 2020, 2021, when the movie had already been filmed. So they were throwing round terms that this film was, you know, the themes of this film were linked to Black Lives Matter. And I just thought, well, no, because you'd already written and filmed it by the time that that blew up. So I feel like, you know, the story was written, they'd filmed this and then COVID happened, not filmed it, but they'd written it already. And then they were just trying to find a way of shoehorning COVID in there somehow. I suppose the, the trauma of the town could be an analogy for COVID in some way. What do you think that the just the way the town is
1: it was it was kind of a commentary on COVID post COVID? Yeah, sure. For the record, i i I feel I feel like Black Lives Matter started more around. This is totally not the podcast for that, but I felt like it started around like twenty fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> sure, uh, I think, it,
0: yeah. was, I, I think yes, it was. I but... think it was. The, it was the the, the, the Michael Brown, Brown if if correctly. Well, George Floyd, sure. I,
1: I believe George Floyd reignited it again, but I think it started back like with Michael Brown. Uh, I, I believe sure. that's when it was established. That might have been even before 2014. But yeah, they uh, – as far as COVID being inserted into the films, yeah, they, uh, they might have been putting commentary in that with – I think that's a stretch. I also think it's a stretch to say that they were going commentary on Black Lives Matter as well with the movie. No, I just, no, I agree.
0: So let's get back to Laurie Strode. So, you know, her character is quite um, living her living the best life that she can. She's even celebrating Halloween, which I was like, really? You know, her yes. daughter uh, in the previous two movies, you know, um, had been wearing a Christmas sweater because obviously <laughs> Halloween was not her bag. And yet here is Laurie mm-hmm. celebrating Halloween. Very jarring. Um, yep, I agree with that i loved the scene in the grocery store with her and frank and um if you're that if was you the romance that... We deserved. yes and he was i deserved. i've even forgotten to write down his name on the character list because he was did did not feature hardly at all because but i um, ignored him completely <laughs> Exactly. Just a little nod here. Um, in that scene in the grocery store, there's um, a song playing called Blue Oyster Colts, Blue- Blue um, which is the band. And the song is called uh-huh. Don't Fear the Reaper. And yep. it could be heard like in the background of the store. And that song uh, first appeared in the 1978 Halloween. And it was when Laurie and Annie were riding in the car and Michael Myers follows them in his car. So that's the song playing and that's the song playing in the background of the grocery store as well which i thought i was believe it's
1: also i believe it's also the same song played at the end of the movie oh well there you go i, I believe i believe they i believe they play that song at the end of the movie. they also random that's random true. totally random but they also play that song at the end of the movie the frighteners which i always thought was a cool
0: ending as well so. <laughs> <laughs> totally separate movie that yeah. yeah, well, we'll definitely get around to that as before. It's a good song. Uh, oh, uh, just before we carry on with Laurie, I forgot to mention uh, Kyle Richards as Lindsay. I mean, pretty much had nothing to do in this film at all. Uh, yeah, her...
1: Uh, yeah, Kyle... Ugh, I can't talk. Yes, they were both wasted, in my opinion. No no, Frank... ...is well. And there was no kind Lindsay. of a reason...
0: There was kind of a reason for her kind of limited uh, appearances because in December 2021, it was revealed that Kyle Richards would be reprising her role in in Halloween Ends. Initially, the character was not expected to return, but following the positive reception of Richards' performance in Halloween Kills, the script was rewritten to give her an expanded role. So she wasn't initially meant to be in Halloween Ends. But okay. I mean, just stick her behind a bar and just have her come out and give a few good words to random Hattonfield residents. I feel so Was she oh. Was she even in the end
1: part when they were like focusing in on the town too, like when she, they were parading him around? Was she even in, was she in that audience as well? They showed the kid from the I... babysitting from the, the from 2018. He was grown up a few years and they showed the yep. survivor from Halloween kills, but did they show her
0: do you know what? I don't know, but I—I was looking. I was looking, I was looking she for. Must I have didn't been see her, in the
1: background, but I
0: maybe well, she was. I was looking for right.
1: I was looking for her for sure, but I didn't see her. But they, she definitely could have been there. It's like there was a lot of characters. There it was like the end of the Avengers movies, like with all those characters just showing up there <laughs> at the end. Like I'm like looking to see who's who's who in the crowd. Yeah. But yeah, I, I felt yeah, I felt like uh, I felt like I didn't see her at the end of that part either.
0: But maybe no, she was there. Very, very odd. But anyway, we keep like, we keep um diversing off from poor Lauren. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so, no, no, it's not your fault. I just I'm I'm just struggling with the character here because, you know, apart from you know that sort of brief relationship with Frank, the the, the Hattonfield residents obviously still blame her very much for what happened. They say that she Provoked Michael Myers. What do you What do you think about that? There's a lot of um, comments made by the residents that it is Laurie Stroh's fault. What What did you make of that? I would. I would think that's a, a terrible
1: way to look at it. I
0: think they're ignorant.
1: <laughs> it's definitely not Lori's yeah. fault. Maybe she wanted it. I mean, obviously you can say that. She wanted him to come back. She did. I mean, she said it like in the first in 2018, she wa- she wants him to come back. She wants the chance to do it. But she wasn't provoking him. She wasn't like you know what I mean? Like, it's it's not her fault that he came back. That's just no. ignorance. She, she, yeah. she wants but she did.
0: But the She wants closure. Her quote was that she wants Michael Myers to escape so she can kill him.
1: Yes. But she wasn't like out there helping him escape.
0: <laughs> no. Right. So, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's an Pro- ignorant way to look at it that, it's her him? Mold,
1: that she's provoking.
0: Yeah. I felt sorry for her in that moment. I don't feel like they should have blamed her for oh, that. Oh, that
1: was, yeah. She's as much as a victim as anyone. anyone. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like,
0: yeah, no, that, that's why
1: I said everyone in that town's a, kind of an asshole now. <laughs> they, were, they were so mean yeah. to her, and they were obviously mean to the character of Corey. Uh, yeah, she definitely didn't provoke him, in my opinion, at all. It's like, you know, being having a bully at school, and you like feel like you're capable of defending yourself, and you want him to make another move, but you're not provoking him to. There's a difference. Like, if you're provoking him to do it, you're you're becoming the asshole in the equation, but if you're no exactly, you know, you yeah, you wait for him to make his move and you make yours. That's not that's not your fault that he's doing that. I just, yeah, I don't like that outlook at all.
0: No, very narrow mindedness there in Hattonfield. Rude. There was this very. really a moment. There was this really amazing moment with Laurie where she's looking out the window and Corey is sort of standing. Like by the bush, like Michael is in the first film, you know, when she's walking towards him and he's sort of ha- yep. like half behind the bush outside and half not. I thought that was a really cool shot. I liked that. A lot. Yeah, I liked that. I saw, yep, I caught that one too and I liked it. I so, agree with you. Laurie commits murder in this film. She kills Corey yes. Cunningham. Well, she, she, attempts she tries to kill him but he ends up just you know taking his own life which was a very strange moment because I honestly did think that this was going to be the continuation of the franchise with Corey rather than uh, Michael but anyway um, one of my favourite scenes in the whole film was when he kills himself and she's there on her own, Alison's left and then she notices that, that the back door is open yep and then yeah, the all of good. her senses kick in. And that's when we get the Laurie Strode from the previous movies, I think.
1: Yeah. No, I agree with that. I don't You know, she wasn't trying. To, it wasn't like she wanted to kill Corey, the character. Like, I mean, he he did come into her house uninvited with a Michael Myers mask on to Laurie Strode's yeah. residence. <laughs> You're going to get shot at, stabbed at. Yes. It's going to happen. But yeah, yeah no, that happen. scene was good. That scene, that scene was good. Uh, it was baffling to me as well the way they, how much time they spent on the character of Corey, to have him offed because I, you know, I was with you. They were, I thought they were clearly setting that up for future installments, and that's you know that's yeah. clearly why they did it. They, they they wanted to, they wanted to catch us off guard, which they did. Sure, hats off. I you know I didn't expect them to kill Corey. Uh, or hit Corey to kill Corey.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those scenes were really shocking. A lot of people were reacting to them quite viscerally in the uh, in the cinema. You know, people were really reacting to those final scenes of Corey Cunningham. So what did you think about the final fight in the kitchen with Michael and, and Laurie? I felt like the
1: f- fight itself was kind of short, but it's what I've been waiting for for years on years on years. So I was, I was happy to finally see it on film. Sure. I thought, right it was, yeah, I thought she was great. I thought she was great in it. Yeah, definitely the right environment. I love the, you know, the, the, clo- the the wardrobe she had on with the obvious references to the original and just the way, the way the scene played out was, I thought it was, that part was very well done.
0: No, definitely. And there were moments when you really thought that Laurie was in great jeopardy because, you know, you didn't really know who was going to go, if it was going to be Michael or Laurie. I mean, it could have gone either way. But there were some really great moments of Jeopardy. My issue was, and uh, I, I can guarantee you're going to agree with me, that every moment of Jeopardy, really, that we saw in the film, we saw in the trailer.
1: Yeah, I, I'm i very tired of movie trailers. They <laughs> They did it with Scream 5 as well like that you know showing so much of the dewey death in the trailer that was how you know they did Mm -hmm. the same thing with this movie like showing that kitchen scene was frustrating in the trailer i remember watching it with my wife like a couple weeks ago saying the same thing like i don't like that i'm seeing all this exactly Uh, and i wish i wouldn't have but and i thought the trailer was constructed quite uniquely too like it was clearly shown without showing you (laughs) cory a lot of oh Corey and allison you know what i mean like they showed you the beginning scenes, and they showed you the final fight. But then, I mean, you didn't watch that trailer thinking you were going to have a Corey, Con- you know, Corey Cunningham feature. You know what I mean? Like the way they shot it. Absolutely like, I not. Felt like it was absolutely not. You... Yeah,
0: I don't know. Did that, do you I think they were confident believe... in
1: the movie they had,
0: or I think that they wanted the audience to be lulled into a sense of oh here we go again you know and because a lot of people i mean a lot of people were complaining after the trailer was released that oh it's the same old you know laurie fighting michael you know here we go again same shit different day and then we get something completely out of the box and something completely different and people are complaining then i don't think that you can do right for doing wrong with these halloween f- fans <laughs> honestly you're definitely not
1: gonna please everyone you're definitely not gonna please everyone um,
0: sure and i'm gonna go yeah a they definitely bit of, wanted uh... sorry go on go ahead
1: no i'm sorry go ahead
0: uh, i was gonna say i'm gonna go into that a little bit at the end about you know perceptions of this film i'm just gonna do a little round up at the end about that because I've got some shocking revelations for you, Alvin. You're not going to believe what I'm going to say at the end of this film. But um, so Laurie, <laughs> yes, she she survives and then she leads this kind of very illegal, <laughs> very like, what the fuck is happening? Um, surely no, you know, civil, no civilised civilization on Earth would allow a dead body to be paraded through It's town and then minced up. (laughs) Yeah, that was... Surely not. (laughs) Only in Hattonfield. Only in Hattonfield. honestly. (laughs) Because even though Michael had, you know, was an evil force and he hadn't actually... and, And don't take this the wrong way, but in comparison to some other serial killers out there, he hadn't actually killed that many people. Uh, I would say probably on on both hands. What ten? I'd probably say maybe a little bit more. There are killers out there, serial killers out there, in the in, you know that have killed more people than that. That you didn't see paraded through the street and put into a blender. <laughs> we're
1: we're talking say. about Halloween. We're talking about Halloween original, Halloween 2 2018 kills in it. Yeah, his I would body count.
0: Yeah. right. He, it's like his.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely don't have a body count off the top of my head, but yeah, you're right. There have I'd been say no more than no
0: more than twenty. Right. Didn't
1: mm. he? Did he kill I mean, the I'm whole bus? Being...
0: Or did they? They escaped. They escaped. They escaped. Yeah. They escaped. I'm just, yeah. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. No, you're I mean... right. It was,
1: uh, it was a strong choice to parade them around the town.
0: <laughs> yeah it was a very strange choice very strange choice well this leads us directly really into talking about michael doesn't it i mean the main criticism about this film is that michael doesn't appear until 45 minutes into the movie and when he does appear he's quite subdued it's only really after the first kill that he his first kill that he sort of gains his energy back but i just find that as part of the plot what i'm going to throw this out there do you think it would have been better? If with the Corey Cunningham and Michael Myers storyline, when Corey was going around killing people, we didn't actually know it was Corey. And that could have been quite a twist at the end, couldn't it? That it was actually not Michael who was committing these killings, that it was actually Corey doing it. I feel like that's something they could have played with a little bit more.
1: Yeah, they could have definitely... I would have appreciated... That would have been nice if they would have leaned into that.
0: No, definitely. I feel like... I feel like definitely having, you know, Michael Myers in the background in those scenes, they could have leaned on it being Michael a little bit more and then having Corey Cunningham being the, you know, you, you basically you're not being quite sure who is who. And I think that would have worked really well rather than just having it obviously as Corey because he takes his mask off at the doctor's house. We know it's him. No yes. dramatic tension really there.
1: Right. And was, well, no dramatic tension and it was an odd tag team event
0: to begin with. Sure. Them, yeah. and, and, and I
1: thought, well,
0: Michael obviously, you know, did something to Corey to bring him that, that first victim to make him strong. But then if he kills, every time he kills, he transcends. Why isn't it him doing the killing? Why is Corey doing it? Is Michael still transcending, even though Corey is the one using the knife? I was very confused about that.
1: Maybe he maybe he had given Corey enough energy to be evil, but he planned on giving Corey more until the uh, till Corey clearly killed himself. But apparently maybe there was more to the uh well, actually,
0: I mean, we're we're being giving a little bit of disservice here to Michael, aren't we? Because it is actually Michael that kills Corey. What? Yes, he, he? gives Corey the final blow.
1: For sure. Yeah. Corey was dead. <laughs> Stabbed himself the he was
0: dying. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, he
1: was on the way out.
0: Absolutely. But Michael did deliver the final blow, which is yes, obviously like I don't need you anymore, and there's no way that yep. you are going to be me.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I bye. Mean, yeah, he had <laughs> Michael. He had second
0: thoughts on this tag
1: team process. He didn't like the way it went down at the doctor's house. It was like, all right, this guy can't cut it.
0: Nope, I'm going to break his neck. Did you think? <laughs> there you go. Did you
1: think at any point that uh, Corey and possibly Allison were going to start? You know, when they were starting with this "burn things down" deal, did you did you start to wonder if they were gonna
0: Bonnie and Clyde it, natural born killers it? Yeah. Um. No, I no think no. I think placing Allison at the heart of Hattonfield community I, by having her in working in the hospital, and you know having that side of her. I don't think. It would have been believable for her to turn on a dime and go around kill killing people. I just don't think that there was no there's no Mm. amount of time in that film. I mean they they spent no time with her anyway. But to have her to do that all of a sudden more frustrating. (laughs) Yeah, with no development whatsoever. You'd need you'd need a well, I believe you'd need a TV show to get that much character development to have her turn. Right. To do it right, anyway, because I mean, even with right, Corey, yeah. Corey's
1: was Corey's was even done pretty quickly. No, absolutely, and he got yeah. right, and he had, like we talked earlier, and he had most of the screen time. So, and even his was done, yeah.
0: pretty quickly. His delve to madness, exactly. But with Michael, obviously, there's not really much we can talk about. He has very limited screen time, and I suppose my. I mean we're coming to the end now but I think that my question to you was were you satisfied with the end with the demise of Michael Myers
1: I was not we're getting to the meat of this episode here <laughs> I was I was yeah. not a fan of this movie as a halloween movie so I would have to say no I was not satisfied with michael myers like the final scene yeah that was cool like i said i loved that uh laurie strode michael myers uh final showdown um the uh his his screen time very much bugged me um in his final movie with laurie strode so i guess i would say that i was not satisfied with michael uh with just the final scene i was yes and but were you
0: satisfied that he became ground beef
1: i think it's i think it was important for him to become ground beef yes and then to have uh, uh michael myers met like it's they're gonna use the masks like to reboot this franchise somehow uh it was important that Lori strode for me it was important that Lori strode killed michael myers her michael myers Yes, so I guess I was satisfied. You talked me into myself
0: being satisfied,
1: yes. (laughs) Wow, you did literally a full
0: 180 there.
1: I pulled a Corey Cunningham and went a totally different direction really fast.
0: You did. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to shock you here with a little confession about how I am going to um, watch Halloween ends in the future. I'm going to watch Halloween 2000. Uh, sorry, Halloween 1978. Uh huh. And then I'm gonna watch Halloween Ends, and that's it. That's my two Halloween films right there. You're just okay. You're gonna. You're just gonna take out the other ones. They did it. Why not? You can do that. Sure.
1: I'll take you how I I'm, f- I'm
0: telling. Go on. I was going to say ahead. I do feel well, that if they had made Halloween Ends, the first film in this trilogy, it would have worked perfectly. You and might be Corey... totally Hey,
1: I can't argue with that.
0: And had Corey Cunningham as the killer in the next two films. I I don't hate that. I don't
1: Here's how I'm going to watch. Here's how I'm going to watch it. I'll watch original 2 Halloween, twenty eighteen. Halloween kills in the last twenty minutes of Halloween ends.
0: <laughs> You'll just fast forward it.
1: Yeah, well, that's, I how did ask this. That's, how, that's how I'm going to do it.
0: Well, I did ask this, but I don't. On Twitter. What's that? How are you going to devour Halloween from now on? Oh, I suppose we just answered that. How we'll both do it? Sure. I mean obviously right there, there are alternative timelines. If I had my absolute way and I wanted to ignore this trilogy, I would go Halloween, Halloween 2 and Halloween H2O and that would be it.
1: That's that's my favorite. That's that's 100% my favorite. Right there. Yeah. Yes.
0: That's my I didn't have...
1: know I didn't know we were allowed to do that. So I thought we were just talking about the new one. So yes, <laughs> if we were doing it my way, if we were doing it my way, 2018 would have included her son. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, uh, no, but yes, uh, yeah. How I watch Halloween, if I'm if I'm given the complete choice of them, I would absolutely include H2O because I I enjoyed H2O. Uh, but yes, yeah, yeah, so I'm H2O. watching these movies. If I'm wa- if I'm inserting these movies, yeah, I would be watching it the original. I would I would just. It's clear to you at this point that I didn't particularly love Halloween Ends, based on what I'm saying. <laughs> but I did like it as a movie. Like that's the thing that I want to get across. I didn't hate the character of Corey Cunningham and I didn't hate the movie. I just didn't like it as a Halloween and a Halloween finale.
0: I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And I do feel like, like I mentioned before, if this was the 2018 film where we had Corey Cunningham as the main killer and then we had Michael suddenly appear. Can you imagine? Like, from nineteen seventy-eight, Loomis shooting Michael off the balcony, he disappears, and then the next time we see him, he's in the tunnels underneath Hattenfield. How cool would have that yeah. been?
1: I you know, I hadn't thought about that till you delivered it to me that way, and I would have probably received this movie a lot better had it been the first one. You are you're totally right. I would have received this movie a lot better as as a first one and not the third one to a trilogy that I just feel was intentionally different so yeah. so people to be divisive. Let's put it that way.
0: So we've got <laughs> the, the definitive t- uh, Halloween 1978, and then Halloween 2 or Halloween H2O, or if you want to go a little bit more modern <laughs> I've got Halloween 1978 and Halloween ends and that's it.
1: Yeah. I I can get on board with that. That's a, that's a solid, cool. that was a solid, uh, that was a solid choice on your part. And you definitely made me appreciate Halloween ends a little bit more looking at it in a, in the light of a different chronological order. Yes. Sure. Now spread the word because the Twitter hate is killing me. I, so yeah, any, any, so, I watched Halloween ends with uh, three friends and about eight kids that were 13 and 14. Uh, You can judge my parenting all you want, (laughs) but, but but, uh, you know, they, the kids, they, uh, they seem to like it, which I was surprised about because like, well, with my son, when it comes to horror movies, he is, you know, he's not, he's not all about the plot. Same thing with books. Like he cracks me up. We'll be like, Book was too like there wasn't enough action but he liked it he like the kids really liked halloween ends and i guess it was me and one of the other adults who were just kind of like this is a weird halloween movie sure but not a bad movie so yeah
0: it does really depend how steeped you are in the mythology of this series i mean personally for me i've watched every halloween movie probably more than double figures um, I love the yeah. franchise, you know, I mean, I've, I I even have a soft spot for Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. I actually really like that movie. So I do appreciate, you know, when movies come into the franchise that are trying to do something different. And I feel like Halloween ends really did try to do something completely fresh, completely new, completely left field. But I just think they left it to the last minute to do that. And I think that that was the mistake.
1: Yeah, I think we agree on that. I, I think I think we can find common ground there for sure. So, uh, you like the movie as well, or you you had yes. too many? With it.
0: Okay, I was like, I guess we didn't. I, I didn't liked really it. Get your... Okay, I I liked and it. You... There wasn't a moment in the movie, there wasn't a moment where I wasn't, you know, engaged in what was happening. You know, I didn't check my phone. I didn't look at my watch. You know, I was completely in the film. I was in the plot. I was in the, the, um, you know, with the characters. I really, really enjoyed the movie. Um, but like you said, because we are judging this film by the two previous installments, or three previous installments, if you're including 1978, um, it, four, it was hard two. to satisfy. <laughs> Yeah, right. it was it was a difficult one, but I do feel that um, if this, like I like I've mentioned a hundred times to about a hundred people, if this film had been released in in two thousand and eighteen, I think it would have got a more of a welcome response for sure. I I agree with
1: you on that, and even like you said, your your comment on that even swayed me a little bit on how I feel about the movie or all. Like oh. I look at all. Those eyes. I look at it through those eyes with you there, ignoring kills. Fantastic. I I I probably appreciate this movie more, but I it's hard for me to ignore the last two because I liked Halloween twenty eighteen. So I did too. So so it it is hard. So it is hard for me to just ignore that that we had two movies with a whole different pace and setup, and
0: then the
1: rug was pulled out with this one. We're doing this. Well, let's, so like, oh, well okay. let's try
0: an experiment, shall we, over Halloween. Let's try an experiment. When it gets closer to the day, let's do a rewatch of Halloween 1978 and then Halloween ends immediately after and just see what how how it how it plays. I can do that. <laughs> I can do that. Quick so question. I, want I, know you...
1: I, know we're, I know we're wrapping up, but I wanted to ask you a question. Did you see Smile and did you see Barbarian?
0: I've seen Smile. I haven't seen Barbarian here. It has not been released in the UK yet. Okay. Unfortunately, okay. we are getting well behind here with some of the, the horror treats that are being released. For example, we haven't had Pearl yet, which is a film I'm really looking forward to, the uh, the prequel to X, which um, we're yeah. all clamoring for here. But I'm really interested to see Barbarians. I'll tell you how late we're getting that. Apparently, in the United States and Canada, it's being released on Disney+. Plus. Uh, mid-October so maybe next week and we're not getting it here to the UK until December barbarians coming to Disney plus yeah that's an interesting choice (laughs) yeah I think it's all to do with the financing smile I enjoyed smile a lot I did do a little review on the podcast for smile I did enjoy it I did feel like it fell apart in the final uh, third act okay but I did but I did quite enjoy the the build up and barbarians I have yet to see all right well so i uh, when I see, I was just
1: curious you to watch them
0: sure, when I see barbarians, I'll give you a message, and you can uh, we can pop back on here and have a good old discussion about it. I will discuss
1: any horror movie with you at any time because it is fun Fantastic. and I like it horror is. movies,
0: I like to talk about horror movies. Great. Well, I have one more segment for you, Alvin, which I did pre-warn you about. So I hope you thought about it. Um, It's a segment that we call that's that's pitching, um, which is so. um, Jason Blum comes to you tomorrow and says, "Hi, Alvin. Nice to meet you. I've heard that you are really well versed in the Halloween universe. Um, I want you to write the next Halloween movie." So. You've got two minutes or, yeah, 120 seconds to, off the top of your head, pitch to me what you would like to do for the next Halloween film.
1: The last one got rid of timelines. If I, uh, maybe I would explore the uh, the timelines that got left out. Uh, I would continue. The, uh, give us back Josh Hartnett. <laughs> 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 Josh um, Hartnett is my pitch. That's my pitch. You can't even say anything else. <laughs> Josh Hartnett is an underused actor as it is in Hollywood and he's awesome and we should have more movies and things with him in it. So give me more Josh Hartnett and in a continuation as if that existed with his mom died. So Laurie Strode is dead in this universe, so we don't have to she can't come back, we know that. And he has, you know, similar concerns like she does and uh yeah and i would be i would be less i would be going less on the romance side like they did with this new one and uh i don't know maybe or 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 continue it with uh the mask somehow possesses allison because she did take the mask right
0: um the mask i believe was kind of just left on the table right as the last time we saw it she may have taken it but i was going to say my my pitch for the next film is alison focus yeah, on alison have a kind of maybe scream five vibe you know where um there's there's a family secret or something's going on and alison is in the thick of it i do think that it would be an absolute waste to have that character never seen again because allison it's... finds her brother that she didn't know exists
1: a la josh hartnett and or or yeah
0: um, <laughs> yeah or she did aunt know. or aunt or uncle that she didn't know existed <laughs> that, is that right that could... yeah laurie had a, be... had a... yeah because then We're... Wouldn't Josh Hartnett be... Yeah, it would be, be uncle. Be You're correct. You're correct. Uncle. Sorry, I
1: said brother. You're totally correct. Yes, you are 100% right. Yes, it would be uncle. Uh, an uncle she didn't know about yeah. in Josh Hartnett. An Thank uncle for correcting and me. an auntie. Yes, that would, be, John... that would be the way I would do it. <laughs> she meets John and then, and then have the... she
0: meets Jamie. Then she meets Jamie? Yeah. <laughs> Jamie's still alive. <laughs> Played by Daniel I'm... Harris.
1: There you go. That'd be great. That'd be great. I'm I'm in. When we start converging some of the other timelines, I'm totally in on it. But yeah, You're I agree right. with you. You'd have to keep Allison. I like he. I liked her. I thought
0: she did a good. I thought she did a good job, and I was okay with her. Andy Maciek is such a good actress, and I think she really deserves to take this franchise on in the future. I think it's it's logical. Uh, but also I'd be interested to see what they do with it. If they did have her, it it, it just seems to me logical. Well, It's natural. Uh, it
1: would be natural and just have, yeah. just have Laurie Strode pass away of natural causes. Yeah. You know, at some point because, you know, she's, she's done and I'm okay with her being done. Like we've discussed, I was okay. I'm okay in screen with Neb Campbell moving on and, you know, like I'm okay with moving on from major characters. That's totally fine, but give her a peaceful death. Hopefully with Frank. <laughs> yeah. maybe that would be give lovely. us some Allison and yeah, it would. I would. I agree. I like it. I like the uh the Allison continuation without Jamie Lee Curtis.
0: Definitely. And someone
1: else taking over. Someone else taking over the reins is Michael Myers. Somebody gets a hold of the mask. And yeah, know, I agree. Maybe we find out
0: more. I agree. Yeah, I'm in. We have a couple of messages. I'm just gonna play them now. Yeah. Yeah, Halloween Ends was trash. Thank you for the podcast. I was highly
1: disappointed. I'm going to give Halloween, the freaking Halloween Ends, a minus four. It just was too
0: convoluted. It seemed Michael Myers had compassion. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. But I do have to say this. I went to Brooklyn Draft House, the Alamo Draft House. That is the most incredible Movie theater, I've been to. Been to. So if anybody's in Brooklyn, New York, please go to Alamo Draft House and enjoy the whole environment, the whole situation, the whole everything. The Halloween for Halloween ends was pure trash. I'm highly disappointed. Enjoy the...
1: Ah,
0: another satisfied
1: customer. (laughs) He was not a fan but he is a fan of the Alamo Draft House so i am a fan of that man right there because he is correct the Alamo Draft House is an
0: absolute vibe fantastic well if i ever come over to the states i know where i'll be watching halloween begins is that the, the title of the next film <laughs>
1: halloween begins i it,
0: it, it has to be it has halloween to be. begins it out there. again <laughs>
1: It begins again
0: oh yeah, my god yeah no the alamo is the place you should watch all movies fantastic well alvin thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure i'm gonna let you go because i know you have an afternoon of fun planned but thank you so much for joining me here um at the shock horror podcast discussing the the end the halloween end end of halloween halloween ends
1: <laughs> we've covered the <laughs> end
0: and every it end. is the end i can't <laughs> right. wait to uh to talk to you again and thank you very much for joining us today Hey, thank you for having me, Keith. Anytime.